Good afternoon, COD. Good afternoon, everyone. I want us to speak today, this afternoon, things that we already know, but I think they're timely for where we are now. I think, uh, and I believe totally that these are words that the Holy Spirit led me to. So I want to share them with you today because I believe they're timely. You know, it's possible to have something out of time. Yeah? You're going to follow me and talk with me today, right? It's possible to have things out of time. And when something's given to an individual out of time, they will not know how best to use it. Well, I want to say, or oh, what I'm trying to draw similarities with this afternoon is actually the word of God. When you consider the amount of words we have heard, and I hope not to take your time, whatever that means, I hope not to take your time. My goal simply is that we pray. Everything that you're going to hear me say to you is going to lead you into the place of prayer. And I hope that by the time we open that time of prayer, that you will pray with everything in you. You would um, put aside every other thing and begin to pray. Because we've seen it before that prayer is still yet an offering before God and it's still required by God that we pray. A believer must not grow tired in the place of prayer. And what makes an individual grow tired is the lack of faith in prayer. One does not believe that the words they are saying is being heard. Because after their strain in prayer, after their groaning in prayer, they realize a thing. That things are not happening according to what they've asked for. I'm starting this way very intentionally. And what I'm always going to say is... Uh, almost as if I'm begging you, is that you pay attention. I think I was praying with the brothers upstairs and I said to them, you see what God regarded as um, the offering of fools? It's when people come into the house of God full of words. Are you with me? You come into the house of God and you're full of words. You see right now, now, as I'm speaking to you, like I said, because it's not decent, if you're even talking to one another, you're going to talk very quietly. Most of the times you're going to try and signal, maybe send a message. Because it's not decent to be speaking whilst the word is going on, right? But you see, when the Bible says that there's the sacrifices of fools, because we're still talking about idols though. When God starts to talk about the sacrifices of fools, what God actually says to us is that people draw near to God and in their mind and heart, there are many things they are saying. The intercession that we had for today's service, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel now led to say it and I was not going there at all. But the intercession for this service, for each and every one of us, myself included, was that God will speak life to us. That there's a body prepared but unless the life of God enters it, that body cannot respond. The intercession was therefore what the, the many things we are saying in our hearts. That it will not be regarded as the sacrifices of fools. What do I mean when I say these things? For example, 
Someone can worship, not because, someone can cry during worship, not because they have caught a revelation from the word being sung in worship, but because at that moment, they remember their guilt. You remember what Pastor Toby taught us in Hebrews 10? They remember their guilt and something in that song, whether it be the melody, but it's not the word, has provoked that emotional outburst. Can I say to you this afternoon, guys, that that still won't bring the results we're looking for. Are you with me? I know it's hot, but I'm going to ask you to endure it for the word. And I've said this before, you can open the door if you need to. It's important that we come together and we understand these truths. Why does God seemingly or why does it appear like God delays and in fact for most people it's not even a delaying matter it almost seems as if God is not responding it almost seems that God is not doing anything no in recent weeks or days or whatever or services what we have realized is that God actually says that there was a time in which man was creating idols these idols were outside of ourselves But what happened now is that these men, the elders of Israel, those chosen by me, those that I have called, these men, these women, these leaders, these elders, they now approach me with idols in their hearts. This is what God now wants to deal with us. I'm talking again, I say this for the second time and I'll say it for the last time, that I'm speaking slow and intentionally. I'm doing this intentionally because this is going to be what will help us to be men and women of results or serve as a witness against us. Because like I've always said to you, God will never be found as a liar. God will never allow it to be that Lydia will go on with life and there will not be a witness served to her. She will never, we will never be able to come to God and say we did not know. You did not speak it. So I ask you again to endure today because God is trying to do a thing. God, I've taught you also in recent weeks, I'm just going through a few things before I get into scriptures. I've taught you also in recent weeks or the Holy Spirit has taught us in recent weeks that as much as Christ came, died for our sins, provided us with grace. The Bible says, for we have received grace in place of grace. As much as God has provided us with these things, God is, Christ is not free. The life of Christ is not free. Salvation has been paid for. But there's also a condition that we must, please guys, you're going to have to stop this whole dropping stuff though. It's going to have to be a case whereby we understand that what God actually wants to do with us, when we say things like he's brought us grace in place of grace, he's given us grace in place of grace. What God wants us to understand is that there are still conditions. What the Old Testament is, is an old covenant. Are you listening to me? What the Old Testament and what we see in the Old Testament, it's a covenant. It was the direction of God. It was a temporary setup. But what then happened was that God sent his son as the perfect covenant, but yet another covenant. For this covenant to come into action, if it's going to come alive, there are certain conditions. 
Paul will later speak to us and we're not going to go there today but Paul will actually say that if there's going to be a covenant we must understand that with every covenant it does not come to life unless the person who made that covenant died a condition you guys are not here with me there's a condition that Christ must fulfill in order for that covenant to come alive which he did but there's also a condition for us to walk in that covenant the conditions are things like there's also a commandment that we love one another that we love the Lord our God and that we love one another a commandment a condition in order for us to live in that covenant so today we look at the Christian body and the reason why we must constantly look and observe these things is because I, I say this all the time and I hope you hear me when I say this that when we look at the body of Christ you must know that tomorrow the future is dependable on you and I. What church is going to be, the name of God in the nations is going to be dependable on us. Can we pay the price for a God that can be seen? Because you see, if God is going to be seen, there's going to have to be a generation that pays the price for him. In case you think that what Christ did was all in all, and it was, and it is, and will always remain to be, but Paul was not an idiot when he said that there's still a, su a suffering that I must bear in my own body. He actually said that Christ's body lacked it. Okay, so I'm going to speak to a very few, a very small number of you guys here with me today. Because your heart has to be ready for the word. And that's your duty. But we're saying that, so Paul, a man who knew Christ according to the flesh, and when he knew Christ according to the flesh, what did he do? He persecuted him. Paul was then saw at that time. He knew him according to the flesh. He was a contemporary of his time. Paul saw his work. But when he knew him according to the spirit, when he was stopped on the way to Damascus or on the road of Damascus or wherever it was, the Bible lets us know now he knew him according to the spirit. When he knew him according to the spirit, what revelation showed him, please, this is important. What revelation was going to show him was that there was still a lacking. If there's going to be another generation one, there's something you must see. I'm not saying that Christ is not all in all, but Paul said, according to revelation, that there was a lacking of what? Suffering. Where am I starting this conversation with today? That suffering is a must for believers. This is what we like to avoid. This is what we like to deny. This is what we try to find loopholes around. But, but God actually says that unless you are united, oh God, unless you are united in the sufferings, you cannot share in his glory. No matter how we put that, guys, that's the truth. And in any way that we try to deny this, guys, you do know that if you try to deny this, you deny your glory. You deny what God has pre-planned, predestined for you and I. So suffering is not a route we can avoid. Suffering is not a route that we can say, God, because we prayed more, we don't need to go through it. Giving is not going to be an escape from suffering. In fact, I think your giving brings you to suffering. God said to Abraham one day, I want to show you your, um, your descendants. I want to show you the destiny. I want to show you what I'm going to do with the, those coming from your loins. And he said, bring to me an offering sacrifice unto me and at that sacrifice God showed him the suffering of his people what I want to talk to you about is the making of God's people but in a different way 
because Israel was going to be a people that actually came out of nowhere I don't want to go ahead of myself so I'm going to ask you again that your hearts are ready Israel was a people that came out of nowhere but so that I don't go ahead of myself let me slow down again so suffering is something that we cannot avoid do you remember that the Bible says and the son learned obedience through what he suffered can we find that scripture Hebrews 5 I believe this is not where I'm going but I need to lay these things down so that we understand idols because if we start to ask ourselves when Pastor Toby started a conversation and I do agree with some people who have said to me that it sounds like we're having heart to heart conversations when Pastor Toby started this conversation about idols, it was a heart-to-heart conversation. And let's just make it simple so you understand how it's a heart-to-heart. When's the last time you've made a wooden idol? Have you ever? No, the idols of our day is that which we create with our hearts. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Please don't forget that everything of what the old... Listen, this is a simple description I want you to understand. The Old Testament is a foreshadow of what's to come. Meaning it was always speaking of today. The Old Testament is not history. Though it's history. Did you hear the other day when Pastor Toby said that Canaan was only a sign of where they were really going? I spoke to you and I think recent weeks I was speaking to you and saying that God wanted to take Abraham to a land this land the architect or the city the architect and the builder was God God always had in mind that Abraham's journey or Abraham's pursuit should not be for a son but should be for a city which has foundations and which architect and builder is God what we see interesting about the life of Abraham is that when you look at the life of Abraham Abraham how do I say this without confusing us now okay so let me actually say it the other way I'll get through it in scripture so that you don't think that what I'm saying to you is opinions so when we look at when I said that son though he was or when I'm talking about um, Jesus Christ what he suffered when I started to make reference to Abraham what do you think Abraham suffered now I want us to think about these things because You see, unless we relate a scripture to our lives, do you know what happens? A pastor Ben will be living according to his own idea of God. A pastor Obi will be living according to his own idea of God. You know, that's the reason why our parents, our predecessors, never were able to show God to their generation because they made God in their own image. You're going to hear me in a moment. Don't worry. It sounds like I'm saying here, um, things here and there. Just hear me. It made what their life, the results of their life, was them showing something made in their own image. I think what's more dangerous is what I'm going to show you about Ishmael later. Because what I want to speak to you about is actually Ishmael. Ishmael is very, very important to the setup of Israel very very important very important so much so that Paul later had to say to us that it's also the same today I'll I'll have to quote it like that 
Paul speaking, referring back to Ishmael, said that Ishmael was not just someone of, it was not just Abraham's son, but was a message to what is happening today. So that I don't confuse you further. Read the scripture. Let's get this out of the way. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Read properly, please. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Go back a verse. During the days of Jesus' life on earth. Did you did you hear that? Sioli, are you here with me or not? <laughs> are you going to put this on the screen? I'm trying to be calm today. Help me, guys. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, yeah? He offered up prayers and petitions. What happened? The Bible says that during the life, you know why it's important that whoever the writer of Hebrews um, is, why it was important that he makes clear that this was the life on earth. It's to show you that there's a life beyond. But it's also to show you, precious, listen to me. It's also to show you and I, listen to me, it's also to show us what we're meant to be doing with this life. With this life on earth, our earthly life, our earthly ministry, our physical life, we're meant to be offering prayers and petitions with fervent cries. To who? And tears to the one who could save him from death. Yeah. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. We've tackled this before. Why did God hear him? Why was his prayers acceptable? And this is important, guys, because again, like I said to you, be honest with yourself. You know, I am not afraid to say things that's been in our minds. Because of religion, we're scared to say it. Why is it that our prayers almost seems as if God is not hearing them? Why is it that there was a prayer point that you prayed last year and you're not seeing the results today? Why is it that you gave in mind that God actually said that this will happen and you don't see it. Were you deceived by God? God says, I did not deceive you. But if I'm going to hear you, it's going to be the reverent submission that comes out of the prayers and petitions you offer me. God will not respond to you based on your emotions. God will respond to you based on the life that is fashioned according to the prayers that you have been praying. What a man and a woman is meant to do that when they call on God, what God starts to do is that he responds through words. If God is going to give you a blessing of finances, he's not going to bring a man that's just going to be touched in his heart and say, let me give you finances. He's going to give you a word. Your response to that word is what will make God hear you. The hearing of God is then the man that will come and bless you. Do you understand that process? Should I repeat it once more? The way God operates is that his emotion, when we pray, it's not going to be our emotions that will make him or blackmail him to answering us. It's not going to be your condition. God, I hope you hear me today. It's not going to be our condition, our circumstances that is going to make God feel agitated or he has to respond to us as if he's being blackmailed no what happens is that when we pray a word follows hannah prayed and god did not say anything to her but a word came 
What did she do? The, rev the reverent submission at that point was her bodily response to the word from Eli. If she responds well, how did she respond? She got up, she ate. We've been taught this. At that point, God can now allow the act of man to bring forth the blessing. So what happens is that we get emotional. What happens, we begin to cry. Like PT showed us recent weeks, that what happens is that we, unless we are illuminated by God's word, we would not have even known that every response, the prayers, the fasting, the crying, the shouting, the worshiping was actually just a reminder of our own guilt and sin. And God's saying, you can't use that to move me because I'm a principled God. COD, God is speaking these words to us because as Pastor Toby begins to start a conversation or has started a conversation with us about idols, what we must be very careful is that this does not become another conversation. It must be direction. That's why I want to speak to you about Ishmael today. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Go on. Son, though he was. He was a son. He was entitled. He had all the qualifications according to God, but God was not going to respond to him until he learned obedience. Imagine this was Jesus according to his earthly life. The Bible says he had to learn. You know, sometimes we look at Christ as if he was completely separated from the beginning. The Bible says in his earthly life, he had to learn. So it wasn't a baby that came out of his mother's womb declaring words of God. He had to learn stuff. Son, though he was, what does that mean to us? What's that? What, what is God trying to say to us? The destiny of a Pastor Enrique or a Pastor Ibi or a Pastor Claudia is that destiny is that you are to be a son. Do you remember that we have been predestined? to be conformed into the image of the son that's what god predestined he put this together before he brought you to life your destiny is actually the conformity into the image of his son so son though you are you still have to learn but the only means of learning is by the sufferings this is not the suffering of the spirit this is the suffering of your flesh this is the physical life suffering and when we speak this again, we start to think, and Pastor Toby is very quick to address this. And I believe that I have to do that today as well. That when we talk about suffering, this is not sickness. God does not punish. This suffering is a training. Can you ever say that working in the gym, working in the gym or running a long distance run is actually pleasure? No, it's a suffering to your physical body. But it's training you for what you see. A man goes into the gym because there's an image he has that becomes his destiny, that becomes his goal. So actually, because he has seen it in his mind, so actually what I need to say in a, a part in, in a side comment is actually that whatever you can see, you can achieve. If when you're praying, when you're in the Word, you begin to see something, do not see it as impossible because if you see it, what does God then commit you into? The training for it. Joseph saw his destiny. He may not have been able to fathom it totally. He may not have been able to describe it totally. But what did God do when God saw that he can see it? Oh God. When Joseph received the ability to see it, God put him to the training. Son, though he was. He learned obedience by what he suffered. 
But what's the obedience though? I've gone and spoken about Joseph now, but you'll be asking, what's the obedience? Because as far as we see Joseph's life, Joseph looked like he was always serving God. When Potiphar's wife would tempt him, Joseph was not going to say, oh, I can do this and hide it. He knew that God is more present than a hundred of people that can possibly witness it. You know, sometimes we fall and we try to hide it. We try to hide it. And do you remember what scripture says? Anyone that conceals their sin cannot prosper. The Bible says, so that son, though he was, he learned obedience. So what was the obedience of, um, of Joseph? What was God trying to teach him? Because whatever God was trying to teach him, the Bible calls it obedience. No, you didn't hear me. What God was trying to teach Joseph, even though Joseph was serving God, we thought obedience would have been when Potiphar's wife tried to tempt him. Obedience would have been rejection of that. No, obedience was understanding that God is merciful. What do I mean by that? Now, that would make no sense if yet last week's preaching was an isolated conversation. But if it's a continuation, then you remember that the mercies of God is God's sovereign choice. What do I mean by that? Joseph's story started, and this was not where I was going, but Joseph's story started at 17. God called him in his youth. Journey started in at the age of 17 and he did not enter destiny until 13 years later what was God trying to teach him at that moment it's God not I you know obedience is agreement it's I'm just using other words it's unification with something it's being in line with something so the obedience that Christ needed to have learned is not my will, but your will. Now, you see what I've said to you now is going to sound like, what does this mean? Hold on to it. Because we're speaking about Ishmael. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, yeah? And once made perfect. And once made perfect, what happened? He became the source of eternal salvation. He became the source. All of a sudden, he would go to the disciples because he's been made perfect. And he would say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So God wants you to be in total obedience with him. And when you're dead, people start to obey you because in obeying you, they're obeying God. Hence why we as believers, we as COD, we as the nation family cannot be living double lives. We cannot be a preacher. I cannot be Pastor Obi and Obi. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We can, and these are words that you have to take to yourself. So now why I'm saying all of this is because what God lays on my heart and what we was interceding for is that there's a work that God is doing in us. Every time we come to these sessions, why are we putting ourselves through this suffering of our earthly bodies? It's because God's actually trying to do a work in you, trying to do a work in I. But this work is what? That we will totally get to a place where we say, not my will, but your will. You know, that's not talking it. That's a life that totally shows it. So many times we've prayed the prayer, not my will. But you see, you do know that even your giving is still your will. 
No, these are things that we don't like to say because it sounds... No, even your giving has become your own will. Not what the Father requested from you. What you think will please the Father. But God wants us to know that there's an obedience, an obedience that is learned through suffering. The Bible says Christ did not learn this because he remained a good boy. Christ did not learn this because he was different. The Bible says that what God had to take him through was what? Suffering. The Bible says later somewhere else in scripture, the Bible says that when talking about a house that is built, the Bible says that the person that hears the word but does not do it is like a man who built his house upon the sand. That when the rain and the torrents or whatever, the storms came against it, what happened? It fell. It crashed greatly. Find me that scripture too if you can. Have you got it? Go on. I've spoken about when I spoke about the two builders, but go on. Matthew 7 verse 24. Matthew 7 verse 24. Go on. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine yeah. and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Anyone that builds their house. So anyone that hears these words and puts them into practice. If you remember in that preaching, I said that the Bible didn't say that you've become perfect in it. The Bible says, if you begin to practice, you know, we hear things like practice makes perfect. So the Bible is saying, God actually says, if you at least even try. And you see the thing about practice, when you first do it, it looks like you can never do it. How many of us can drive in this room? Raise your hands. Do you remember the first day you did your manual lesson? Do you remember how scared you was in the car rolling back? It looked like, you see this? It looked like it's going to be impossible. Now, look at the way you drive. You remember when you was doing your lessons, you're thinking about putting it to gear one. Then you're thinking to put it in gear two. You know, sometimes you over rev. Do you understand? You be, um, uh, what's, the, what's the thing when a car jerks? What's it called, man? You start to stall. I remember being with my friend one day in Campbell and he was trying to show off in a Peugeot you know but he was trying to show off yeah and at the lights fear gripped him because he's still in the days of practicing and what happened he tried to move off then it stalled you know the problem about stalling when you're under pressure is that you're going to stall at least another five times <laughs> now that's funny because you see what I just did to you this is what we call Isaac I'm not speaking revelation to you. You will understand why I said that. You see you guys laughing. Do you know that Isaac's name means he laughs? Yeah? It means he laughs. Are you going to keep that in mind when we speak about Ishmael? Okay. So the Bible says, oh, what happened? My boy stood like, like um, four times. Nothing less than four times. And you know, you know the kind of laughter like if there's somebody in you tickling you. You can't help it. Like, he actually turned over to me and said, do you think this is funny? But I could, not, I could not help myself. But you see what happens? My laughter did not stop him becoming a great driver. What would have stopped him if he made up his mind that all this practicing is not working? God calls the man wise the one that puts the word to practice. So when Pastor Toby speaks to us out of the word, not out of his own opinion about giving, 
there's someone that may not understand giving but they put it to practice the heavens call that man wise God says if you put them into practice it's like a wise man who built his house on what the rock not a rock but the rock they've taken the word of God they heaven understands that this word is firm there's a song I wanted the choir to sing, but they'll sing it later, probably. Uh, probably It's a song we all know, but we make him our firm foundation. The Bible says, look, I have laid a stone in Zion, a foundation. So heaven knows that this is a foundation. So the moment that someone like Nikisha takes the word, yes, she's having to practice. But what heaven is celebrating is that she's decided to build on a firm foundation. That firm foundation, notice, was not what came from her. I need you to hear all these points. The firm foundation was not what Nikisha brought forward herself. The firm foundation was, was what heaven made provisional. It's the provision that heaven made for her. What was the provision that heaven makes for you and I? Christ. Christ is our foundation. Christ is already our righteousness. Christ is already our reason for life. Well, why am I saying all of this? It says, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Carry on. The rain came down. The rain came down. It, do it doesn't matter if you built your house on the rock. It doesn't matter if you live a life in Christ. The rain must still come down. The rain came down. The streams rose, yeah? And the winds blew. Yeah. And beat against and the house. And it beat against the house. So what God is trying to prove to the world is not another successful man. <laughs> it's not another successful man because the world, we have seen successful people according to what the world calls successful. You have seen men with money. You've heard stories of people who rose from nothing to being great people. We've heard those stories. But what we have not really heard is a man who became successful. And after all the trials of life hit him, he's still standing. So what does God want to prove? Not just your rising, but the type of body that rose. PT has been making comments that it will have holes in the heart in the hands but will not bleed nothing can harm that body any longer that's what God wants to prove the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and, the, and beat against that house yeah? yet it did not fall that's what God wants to prove why the, them not falling is going to still glorify who? Christ not you it says because it has its foundations on the rock so the reason why it didn't fall was because of Christ. That's what God wants to show us. So are we going to rise? Yes. But is that the ultimatum of God? No. What God wants to show is that yes, when you get up there, now the world will be tested. Both the good and the bad will be tested. You know, when things start to happen. So Pastor Enrique wrote in the men's chat that, you know, you see prosperity is going to be the real challenge. That's the real test. I've taught you that since... 2019 I've been saying it that what God is going to do is now when you have are you going to change is the world going to begin to um, bring you back down so this takes me back to why I then said are we not people who have received promises did we not pray and hear something from God that things are about to change did we not call 
Was there not a day we're about to enter a month called glory? Have we never entered a time called glory before? But what is God doing? Why does God not respond to you and I? Because the rising is not an issue. Because both the world and people in Christ can rise. But the ability to stand is what will glorify God. Because it had its foundations on the rock. Carry on reading. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Is but like anyone who hears these words of mine and for any reason, for whatever reason, does not put them into practice. What are some of the reasons why we don't put the word into practice? We think it's too much. For some people, we think it's too simple. People trip because of the simplicity of the word. Others trip because they think it's too big. It's the mentality of the person receiving it. So today we prayed for ourselves, asking God to help us in the delivery of the word and the receiving of the word. Delivery of the word, I said to the brothers, is not just the person preaching. It's the atmosphere we build for the word. So it's not me holding a mic. That's not the delivery of the word. It's what is Pastor Ben playing the drums in the spirit. Is else playing the keys in the spirit? Are the worshippers in view of Christ asking him to come? Are they beckoning with heaven that heaven be present with us today? Are those who call themselves intercessors interceding in their spirit? I'm not saying you're here shouting, but is your heart longing for God to come? Are those who are pastors longing for people to return to God? That's the delivery of the word. For whatsoever reason, people have just not put the word to practice. It's too much. For others, they're too occupied with other things. And this is where we're going today. They have an idol that's demanding their worship. So they don't even have the time. They're willing to say, I will worship, you know, like what Satan asks Christ. Worship your God before me. That's what they are. That's the realm that some of us have been kept in. And that's the reason why as soon as the word atmosphere is over, we return to what we were. Rather than taking these and putting it into practice. God gave this material called the word. Knowing that constant engagement with it called practice will eventually make you perfect in it. Yes, there will be situations that will make others laugh, but that shouldn't stop you. That shouldn't stop you. So, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand, yeah? The rain came down, the streams... This rain came again. The streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. What does it say next? When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. A certain translation actually says, and... The um, destruction was complete. Imagine that Satan actually helps people get blessed to destroy them. The destruction is not before the finances. Anyone that's listening, I said in the month of March, God was speaking a lot of wealth messages to us. Maybe we thought that was going to be the Bible, opening the Bible, but the heavens is putting wealth in us. It's, so there are people that are bearing witness that though we may not see it physically, we know that heavens is releasing a supply. We witness it. 
Our spirit bears witness with it. But God says that I need you to know that this is the way that Satan is now going to try and trip you. And unless you are with me, oh God, unless you are with me, you will trip and that destruction will be complete. So I get it now. God, thank you for not answering my prayers. It was actually a protection. <laughs> Let's move on. First Peter chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. What does the Bible say to us? It says, since Christ suffered in his body. Christ was the only person at this time who had been risen but was not being able to be brought down again. Nothing was able to, he was the example of what he was speaking of. Every word, you see, what happens is that God is working on all of us. But eventually we're going to grow to a perfect day. In this perfect day, what's the traits of a perfect day? What you're saying is one with who you are. You remember I said to you the other day that um, I think last week I, I used Pastor Francis as an example. That what we didn't know growing up was that the words you preach will come back and test us. We were so filled with the spirit. There was a fire. There was a zeal. In fact, even the way we spoke it, you would have thought that mm, no way can this happen. And then life came and slapped your mouth. Life came and said, okay, you preached it. Okay, show me. And you realize this not as it seems. This is why I cannot forget when PT said, listen, don't look at Elijah running away as a big thing. If God permits you to be flesh for a moment, you'll be shot or you'll do. So we look at this. So the Bible says now since Christ suffered in his body, the Bible says we should arm ourselves. The Bible actually used the word arm. So actually the way to fight in, in this life, the armory you must take, the, the preparation you must have is actually for your suffering. You didn't hear me, did you? Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves. This was a talk as if you're getting ready to enter battle. He says, arm yourselves with the same attitude. It's a mindset. So what's my mindset? Again, we before used to complain when it seems like we've been praying, 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 praying. We are giving. And it almost, you know what makes it worse is that you have a vision and you think, okay, it's about to come any moment. And then it doesn't. You saw the vision. You're, you're not even deceiving yourself. You saw the vision. But nothing's happening. God says, arm yourselves. With what first? A mindset. What's the mindset? That the complete Christ came about. The perfect Christ came about by the suffering of his earthly life his physical body therefore since Christ suffered in his body arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin so without suffering sin cannot come to its end Lord what is this suffering are you here with me COD do you know why because God's getting ready to project us push us by force into the realm of glory but these are the sessions he uses to prepare us 
Remember when I took you to Hebrews, when we looked at all the things we saw in Hebrews, I said to you that these are not isolated chapters, they are continuous conversation. And eventually God took us to Hebrews 12, where it says that we should not make light the Lord's discipline. What we have been used to is trying to be God according to our own ability to fashion ourselves. So we say we're going to stop this. God has not made it an end yet. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. So until you suffer in the body, and whatever that means, and we'll see in a moment. Until a person suffers in the body, you can't be done with sin. Do you know what that means? Your positive confession cannot be what will stop sin. In case you guys are too much of saints and it's never happened to you, I'll be honest. There's been times I said never again. And do you know what happened? It happened and then never again. I heard a voice mock me saying, never again. <laughs> you know how many times you said never again. Because the process to the end of sin is not with your confession. It's with your suffering. So what is this suffering? Verse 2, go on. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires. Ah. Uh look at this this is where we're looking to get to anyone that sincerely and i believe this is the nature and the character of us we want to live the life of god we want to do what is pleasing to god i don't think anyone is here saying that they deliberately want to be a hypocrite we sincerely want to live a life to god do you remember when paul said that the things that i want to do i find myself not doing but the things that i don't want to do i find myself doing who will save me from this wretched body? This is Paul's agony. This was Paul's cry. He was not preaching an isolated conversation. And I don't care how much you wanted to speak scripture to make me feel guilty. But Paul said that. He did not quote it as a third person. He did not quote it as somebody else. He quoted it as himself, as an apostle. He says, as a result of this suffering in our body, which does away with sin, the Bible says you, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires. So I can actually get to a place where I live a life that is really the will of God. My giving is God. My interaction with people is God. I'm not going to be going back and forth between two realms. It's really going to be what? God. But the Bible says it has to be the suffering first. And when that suffering happens, what would then happen? God will help us to live the rest of what life? Earthly life. Not for our evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Are you still here with me? Read from verse 1 in the message. Quiet, if you ever want to worship, you can break into worship because... By the time we're done, we're going to go into a place of prayer. So for me, I need everything to allow God. I need God to, in all ways that he wants to, to work on me, to prepare me for prayer. Read from verse 1, go on. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Yeah. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit. Do you hear that? The Bible says, think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit. Let me say this to you guys. When God called her Ayokunami, God was not blind to her flaws and weaknesses. God knew them, yet he still called. 
This is why in Romans 8, the Bible says that for who he predestined, he called, and who he called, he justified, and who he justified, he glorified. God actually knows that when he calls you, there's nothing in Ioconomy that can please God by herself. It is God's sovereign choice, his mercy that he chose you. That's enough for you to use the rest of your life glorifying him. That's why I'm not surprised that the Holy Spirit wasn't given to the apostles for them to start casting out de devils. What I mean by that, the tongues didn't come on them as if, you know, we pray as if we're, you know, we pray in tongues as if we're casting out devils. The Bible actually said it was so that they can glorify God because God chose them. So, you know, when you look at Ioconomy, I want everyone to understand God knew our flaws and weaknesses, yet chose us in his sovereign choice. But what does that say to us when we look at scripture? It means at some point in your life, whether, whether by the, you willing to do, and even you're willing to do is still him. You remember the scripture that says that it is God who works in us both to will and to do. But even if it's your will or God can use circumstances. Sorry that I have to keep using this example. Some of us were hit. In fact, I won't use the example. But some of us were hit with dire situations like life-threatening situations before we actually entered the processing of God because before God can take you into a nation he has to make you another thing I want you to note down is that making was a work reserved to the Godhead you see why we fail in life is because we try to make ourselves we hear the word and we try to make ourselves the Bible said in the beginning let us make man meaning that there's actually a remnant of people and it was the Godhead that was to make a man the problem is the moment when man failed then the first thing scripture starts to speak to us is the reproduction of man man making man man teaching man so unless it's a man that God has put himself in this is when the Bible says he gave gifts unto men unless it's a man of God making you you should be very afraid if you ever make, you know, they've got this idea of Frankenstein, yeah? If you ever make yourself, be very afraid of what that person will become. Don't worry, we'll get to it. Think of your sufferings as a weaning. You know the process of weaning. You understand what weaning is, right? Okay, so think of yourselves, think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of what? Of always... God. of always expecting to get your own way so imagine the sin is not necessarily the fornication it's actually a mindset a character a habit the bible calls it of always expecting to get your own way you know scripture tells us that before you prayed god will answer now look at your neighbor and ask yourself why didn't he answer you then scripture actually said that before you pray he'll answer you god are you a liar no i i just said to you a few moments ago and i want you to still hear me i actually said to you thank god that god didn't answer me his answer of not answering me is actually an answer it's just that we didn't understand the answer what was the answer saying to us you're chosen 
because you're chosen, I have to process you. So the suffering, which is God's processing, is that I can't allow you to keep getting your own way. So someone actually gives in hope to get their own way. And God says, that did not come from me though. You see that desire? I know people that only started liking LV because they saw people in the nation wearing LV. I'm telling you. You see their mouth? Because of pride, would never say it. But you see, I thank God for the gift of um, discernment of spirit. They, 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 <laughs> Aram is troublesome, you know. I just see Aram stretching her neck. <laughs> Some people, what I'm trying to show you is that what God is concerned about. I remember a few weeks ago when I was speaking about poor. I think I was speaking about the revelation you must take to take, um, to take a nation. The re- revelation you must gain to take nations. And what Paul did, I said to you, when the Bible says, for this cause, I bow my knees. What Paul was doing in Ephesus was recognizing his source for whatever was about to now happen in Ephesus. If we're going to take a nation, we must understand source. So God cannot give to Chrissy what he knows comes out of Chrissy's physical self do you know what makes it more dangerous if Chrissy wants something and then labels it saying it's for God that's what makes it dangerous not you just Chrissy so I'm saying all of us and you know we do that guys let's be real with ourselves because God's trying to work on us we do that that we get to a place and we, you know we say things like oh, uh, we want to raise money but it's for God. It's not for God. If it was for God, you wouldn't care if it was your neighbor that did it and you didn't. I'm speaking like this because God wants to change the dynamics and operations of the COD family. And he wants us to know, he wants it to be that the people that he gives his blessings to and even there's something more than blessing actually. It's called covenant. And I'll show you in a moment. But he wants, to sh- he wants to give a covenant to people. But you see, the person he wants to give it to, he's not hearing what your mouth is saying. That's, that's the means of communications to other men. How God speaks to any man is to their heart. How a man, you know, in the spirit, whether you want to or not, you're speaking to God. Meaning, if you're away from God, if you don't want God, you with your mouth physically can be saying I love you God but God hears a heart saying I don't want you do you understand that because all things are not hidden all things cannot be everything is laid bare and naked before God meaning you cannot hide your heart from God so what we have to understand now guys is that God if he's going to bless this family he wants it to be that from Pastor Obi to all the leaders down to in quotes the last person you know there's no such thing as the last person he needs to know that what is before Pastor Obi is this work I'm not trying to blackmail God and saying "Mm, I'm giving a seed or I'm fasting or I'm praying and I'm doing this so that God can know it's for him no he needs to really know that it's from and for him that's why I asked Ashley to sing that um, you are worthy of it all if you read the words, it says, for from, um, for from, however it said, everything comes from him and everything is actually for him. So you see, 
I always tell you guys, even when we worship, you must know that they are deliberate though. You must, we must not be like everyone else that's moved by melodies. There's more to it. So God actually looks at us and he says, okay, so the reason why you wanted 500K, 1 million, whatever the money is to come to you and it didn't come is because God really knew that I get it. You're a good man. You're a good woman and you want it for the work. And if it comes, you'll probably give it to the work. But the problem is that it still glorifies you. So the Bible says now, rather than complaining, understand through the revelation of scripture that God's not answering you. It's actually him answering you because he's actually making you. And he says, therefore, think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. I speak to some of our sisters sometimes and they, it, I sometimes don't answer them. And I told them that my, I actually spoke to one of my yellow sister. Yeah. She knows who she's talking about, who I'm talking about. My yellow sister. I have like two yellow sisters. Um, one to my left, one to my right. <clears throat> but it's beautiful. It's a family. I spoke to my to sister. She was crying the other day. And she wanted, oh no, by the way, um, let's give a round of applause for Pastor Diana, please. Better than that, COD. Thank you. So the way things work with me and Pastor Diana is that I have meetings with her quarterly. Like every three months we have a meeting and she comes and tells me everything. Everything in her life that is bothering her, she comes and tells me. And throughout this journey in Christ, every single meeting, she cries. Even if she don't want to, like, it will just come. You know, like, you know when they start doing this, they're trying to talk. They start... <laughs> it comes, but I know the girl's growing. Our last meeting yesterday, she did not cry once. Praise God, praise God. She only said that, um, please tell Pastor Rike that he should get me everything I want. So Pastor Rike, yeah, and it's a word from our father. He said we should get everything for them. That's why Ashley bullies me. Where was I now? What was I saying before that? Yes, yeah, so I was speaking to my other yellow sister. And she was crying. And she actually came to me later. And she said that I was expecting you to hug me. Do you understand? When I was crying. And it's our relationship. So you won't understand. It's our relationship. But I said to her. And I say it to other people. I said that everything I do is deliberate. Everything I do is deliberate. You know some people... The sinful nature, so what I'm saying, sin is not just a fornication. It's not this, it's not that. It's a nature. The sinful habit is always expecting to get your own way. So do you know the funny thing, and I said I'm going to trap her by saying this today. I didn't say it to her, but I said it to myself. She actually said to me, I was not led to hug you or to respond to you. And she said, I was led. She said that she was led that I will come and hug her. <laughs> It's like, you are led for my life. <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> this is strange, mate. What I'm trying to get from this is that I use a simple and a, 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 a very innocent example for us to then check our own hearts. Because there's things that we expect. Someone loses a person in their life and they expected not to have lost the person. 
God is actually saying, that's your sinful nature. The sinful nature is beyond, like I said, the fornication. These are fruits of it, acts of it, like Galatians will say to us. But what is the sin nature? Like I said to you the other day, the focus of you, everything evolves around you. Everything is about you. So you would take what somebody else, what somebody else says, what somebody else says, and it will affect you. But you're not looking at the bigger picture. But you see, God, God, though being one, exists in all things. So any decision He makes is for the benefit of all the people that love Him. In fact, He shows us the extent of His love. That Scripture tells us that He rises the sun even over the wicked. So what God actually wants to bring us out of is the life that is concerned about you. Let me say this to you as we keep going. Until you get there, let me say something to you. Keep praying. Let's put a, let's put a, a challenge. Unless God deals with that sinful nature, which is always expecting to get our own way, if we don't allow him, and how do we allow him to deal with it? Keep presenting ourselves as we are doing God forbid, and that's why I had to use the illustration of my friend driving a car. God forbid, uh, God forbid that you're practicing and because you're getting it wrong, you stop. You know that's what people do because of sin. Sin comes and sin actually just tells you stop. Because others are laughing. Heavens are laughing. You know, when we were talking about like we want money and money's not coming, it's banter, God bantering. It's like the whole nature is bantering with you. Like you've put a seed and it's like laughing, haha, I've taken it from you. No, God actually wants to get us to a place whereby we no longer care about ourselves because we know that He cares for us. Carry on reading, go on. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Do you hear that, guys? I don't think there's more I can say with that. After he deals with us, then we'll be able to pursue. So us presenting ourselves actually helps us to seek because everything that is happening here, God speaking the word to us, sometimes using the word to cut us at our hearts, is simply because he wants us to be people that can pursue him rather than being brutally dealt with by what we want. Someone don't know that their whole life is being now changed based on what they want. They're so determined to rise by themselves that their whole life gets regulated by it. I keep telling people, I, 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 used to, I say this to someone, look, this is all you care about. And they'll be like, no, no, no. I was like, you do but they're denying it but we know because that's all your mouth speaks that's all your mouth speaks that's all your snapchat your instagram shows like everything about you shows this you can't tell me that you're not you're not being tyrannized by that and you know what happens because god knows you want it so much and you know pt told us that every man was designed with wants and needs but it was so that they can pursue him so when a want and need makes you not pursue him you can ask god and god won't give it to you because he knows it'll make you run further away from him yeah, some people say that when wealth comes it'll make me serve god better no it won't when prosperity comes it wants to slap people it's hard so i've I, i've used this first section to then say to you that god actually not answering us is actually an answer and what's the answer 
son though he was, he learned obedience through what he suffered. What's the suffering? Not allowing you to always get what you want. Are you ready for the word then? Okay, let's start with, where should we start off? With the life of Abraham, Genesis chapter 16. I'm sorry I gave you different scriptures, but the Holy Spirit does this sometimes, isn't it? Genesis chapter 16. In fact, before we go there, let's go to, um, I'm looking for the scripture where it says that flesh and blood cannot inherit. First Corinthians. Come on, you always used to know. I was hoping that you'd help me. I'm on camera, man. First Corinthians 15. I think, just start from 41 or something. Let's read until we find it. If we don't find it, you know this. It, you know it's in Bible, Sha. Go on. First Corinthians 15. I, I declare to you. <laughs> go for it, sir. First Corinthians 15. Go on. Where are you reading from? Verse 50. Verse 50. Okay, go on. I declare to you. I declare to you. Go on. Brothers and sisters, yeah. that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Okay, did you hear that, guys? You can see it all on screen now. It says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot. Do you remember when I spoke to you that the Bible actually said to us that no one can come to me unless the Father draws him? I spoke to you about that word can. It's to show us permission and ability. So the Bible says to us here, Paul says to us, that the flesh does not have the permission of the kingdom. Neither does it have the ability to inherit the kingdom. So everything we're going through, you know, now here's the issue. Paul was not speaking to unbelievers. I think this is what makes the word more interesting. That Paul in this day, if Paul was alive, Paul would be speaking this word to us. But we are people that's been fasting, people that's been praying, people that's been giving, people that have actually denied ourselves of a certain lifestyle because we believe by faith, this is the life that God has called us for. And we have a hope for which we're enduring what we're enduring today. But Paul looks at the church in, the, uh, in Corinthians and actually in Corinth and actually says what? That I have to declare to you, not to your city, but to you, to you, the elders of the church of Corinth. I need to tell you that you have been praying and doing all these things, but for you to receive the promise, you do not have the permission and the ability to receive it if you're still flesh this is the reason why I had to speak to you the other day about Paul actually said to us that I should have been giving you solid food but I can't because you're still worldly you're infants in Christ so there's a level of conversation that I cannot commit to you right because when I look at you you're still saying I am of Pastor Obi I'm of Pastor Ben I'm of Pastor Enrique I'm of Pastor Indidi and God says, yeah, you're in Christ, but you're only infants and I can only feed you accordingly. But if I'm going to give you more, then you're going to have to break past the realm of immaturity. You have to break past the realm of flesh because flesh comes first. 
you have to deal with it you see the way everyone has been made is that the physical life comes first everybody so everyone must suffer because that life must be done away with in that life consists everything that you've been taught both the things that you were taught knowingly or the things that you were taught unknowingly like you know like i always say it to every person has the ability to learn the basic of communication a child does not come out of the womb speaking yoruba one of the first things that a child learns as well as walking eating and all of these things is if a child if a baby born in london is taken to a village in nigeria they will speak native <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've always wanted to laugh at that. And you know, it's so scary to see a baby speaking full. Ashley has a little sister that's two. You know, Africans, one thing, let me, let me say this as a disclaimer. You know what I don't like about Africans? Exaggerate everything. Do you know what they do? Ashley tells me that her dad has a little sister. I mean, her dad. So, you know, Ashley's dad has gone around the world and all of these things. He's, a, he's an evangelist. <laughs> Successful one. <laughs> Sharp shooter. <laughs> but on a serious note, so Ashley has a little sister in Congo. Ashley told me one day, I was looking at her, I was like, sometimes I feel like knocking your head here, but it's never going to be good for me. So I just keep quiet and just be saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a little sister that she tells me is two. She speaks Lingala, like strong. She'd be like, uh, is that, yeah, yeah, whatever you say, like, you know, whatever you, guys, whatever you guys say. But she tells me that her little sister, two years old, walks from her compound down the street and knows exactly where Ashley's dad stay in another compound. Like, he goes there directly. I was like, you see, you guys, unless that child is Chucky, it's not true. I'm not going to, I'm not going to call that girl my daughter. No, I'm scared. I'm scared. How do you have memory like that at the age of two? What does that mean? <laughs> you walk from up, it's like here, a two-year-old walking from here to Campbell and knows the exact house. It's looking at another man saying, call my, what, what does that mean? Call my dad. What are you talking about? Ah, <laughs> oh, this world is so funny. I can't even remember where I was before this. Where was I? Where was I? I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot so we don't have the permission neither do we have the ability to inherit the kingdom of god so god had to start off with saying to us that you see now the promises are yea and amen i will perform them but for them to be seen in your life you also have a condition rid yourself of the flesh because the flesh cannot carry now this is what god wants to work on us there are promises spoken over my life and I know these promises. I have heard these words. I can testify of it. I've said to you guys many times that I've even created a folder of the words that PT has spoken about me and the whole of COD family. I've got a folder. I go back over these words. I know that we are made by these words but God also then says to us that I declare to you not to the world but I declare to you that if you're going to now take hold of these things it can't be flesh and blood. God actually says that even if the flesh tried, it's not able. So this is the reason why we have meetings like this, why we pray, why we worship. Because now in this mist, God actually wants to work on us. And what's the thing he's working on? He wants to get help us 
get rid of the flesh. You know what? I, I was praying upstairs earlier and I was thinking to myself and God said to me simply, do you understand that I help you through the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit is my help to you. You know, that sounds so simple. You know, when you're praying and you're saying, God, this help me. No, God actually says, I extended my help to you. The Holy Spirit's first name was called to be the helper. He's to help us. And Romans taught, taught us, and I've told you this before, Paul began to say that if we're going to put to death the misdeeds of the body, it's going to be through walking in the Spirit. So what I want God to do in my life right now is deal with this flesh. Deal with this flesh because this flesh is what's making me hear the promises but never seeing it. If there's a prayer point, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if hands are laid upon you. If it's flesh, it cannot receive it. Those promises will linger over your life because if you are somebody that is putting the word to practice, that you are somebody that's allowing yourself to constantly present, be presented before God. I and the brothers prayed this morning that our hearts will be presented before him so he can work on us. If we keep allowing him to, present, to work on us as we present ourselves, then eventually Pastor Obi will be no longer known according to the flesh. I'll be spirit you will be spirit we all will be spirit and that spirit will now be able to take on the promises of the kingdom of God until then guys do you agree with me here and if you heard me that the flesh cannot again flesh being not being able to and not having the permission to so what I need to then say to myself is why didn't our parents make it and you realize it wasn't because they didn't go to church we can't even say it's because they prayed more or less than us because what makes God bless a person is not based on how much they pray. But it was, you see that flesh habit of wanting things to be done their way. It didn't leave them. When God put them through suffering because of lack of knowledge of scripture, they called the source of their suffering Satan, not knowing that the one behind it is actually God. So indirectly, they were insulting God. Let me tell you something. If you are taken by the love of God, it doesn't matter what you're going through. If you are taken by the love of God, this is why I spoke to you last week about mercy. If God called you, you must know that everything that happens on your life, in your life, through your life, to your life, is from God. It's from God. The enemy cannot go inside God. If the Bible says your life is hidden, in Christ how can Satan enter Christ and touch your life if there's anything happening even if it's on the negative end if you're in Christ God permitted it but it was for your rising that's why the story of Job is there so God says to us I declare to you brothers and sisters that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable what God wants to give you is what is lasting well, your flesh, you see what God does. When I look at someone like Kida, for example, what God gave you, let's say it's the 230K or the 260 or however much money you've raised in this life. It was actually money, yeah, but it was according to the, it was according to the life that is perishable. So you can see the end of it. 
What God now wants to give you is the imperishable, but the base, who he wants to hand it to cannot be the perishable any longer. It has to be the spirit. I've said this now and I've repeated it because I now feel now in my heart that I've witnessed. So now nobody in here can say that they didn't know. Whenever I speak to you, I pray and I say, God, speak to me and through me. Meaning that it's not a word for everyone and not me. So God says it is made it clear to us. Because the word of God illuminates. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp. You know, we say to our feet, first of all, it's a lamp. It illuminates what is already there. The reason why you have not moved forward is because there's something already there, but you don't know. Now, God makes these things known to us. And he says that I have promises for your life. I want to bless you. But as far as Abraham is Abraham, Isaac can't come. But who did the promises start off with? Abraham. Genesis chapter 16. Read from verse 1. I want us to look through a few verses and then I'll stop when I feel like I need to. We worship and then we pray. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had borne him no children. The suffering of her earthly, uh, earthly life. Sarai wanted a child so much. And because she wanted it so much, this wanting was not, you see, that's why I love that the Bible said, now Sarai. This was the flesh part of Sarah. So the desire for a son was not based on revelation, was based on the culture she was surrounded by. If everyone in her nation was not having children, it will not hurt her that much that she's, have, she's not having a child. This was not, again, this was not from, so here's the issue. Is having children bad? No. Is wanting things bad? No. What God has an issue with is where did it come from? Where did that desire come from? That's what he's going to deal with. The Bible says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Yeah. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Now think of this. God started with um, Moses, I mean, not Moses, Abraham, I think, from Genesis 12 or so. 15, God starts to speak about covenant. If you actually look at the scripture, God, and I said this earlier and I'm saying it again, God actually wanted Abraham's pursuit to be that after the city, which has foundations and whose architect and builder is God. What's the mistake we make a lot of the times? And I've said this many times, but I need to keep repeating these things. The mistake we make many of the times is that we acknowledge God as the architect, the one who began it. The one who starts the idea. But then we try to become the builder. No, what God wanted Abraham, Isaac was something in the process. It was a story being told for someone, for a generation like us. But what was God looking for? I'm talking about idols, but Ishmael. What God was looking for now was this. A man whose pursuit is only him. Because in order to know the city, that its architect and builder is God, you must know God. You have to know the person. So he says that, so if you look through the scriptures, you would then realize that what God was more particular with Abraham, what he was more concerned about with Abraham or Abraham or Abraham 
was he wanted to establish something greater than a blessing. And what is that? A covenant. The Bible says, gather unto me the saints, this consecrated people who have, who have what? Who have come to me with, with covenant, but they've obtained that covenant by sacrifice. This is not death. This is not sickness. Sacrifice is deliberate. Sacrifice is honorable. Sacrifice is costly. This is not God giving your life when it doesn't cost you. This is God giving your life when it costs you. When Tomorrow has every reason to live any other life, it's at that time that God sees it that you must give it to me because that's a sacrifice. Sacrifice is death, right? It's death to a thing. But people will all die, right? But you see, death in old age is not sacrifice. That's nature. A life without God, it's natural that it will fall apart. You can't give God that life. That's not a sacrifice. So you see what happened with the church is that they never sacrificed. But when they realized that their life is dying, they handed it to God. But it was of no use to God. So the Bible says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So God wanted to give a covenant. And he says, actually, and covenant is what makes two one. The day I got married to Ashley, I established the covenant. What happens? It made two one. So when God says, gather to me the saints who have made covenant with me by sacrifice, he's saying, our union came the moment you sacrificed. I, as God, have sacrificed. What will make you and I one is your sacrifice now. That's your covenant. You're going to see why I said there's something better than blessing. Carry on reading. So it says, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Yeah. So she said to Abram, yeah. the Lord has kept me from having children. I love that she knew that. She realized at some point in her life, and maybe this was going to save her in order to be blessed, that she realized it was no longer her inability, but she was not able because God held her. God kept her. Guys, do not ever think in your life that why you don't have is because you're not able. Why you don't have is because God's holding you back for something. It's not the end of it, so keep your faith. Look at what was terrible about this scripture. Abraham or Abraham, one day, because he's a fleshly man, a fleshly man can hear God, but also live a fleshly life. I'm relating this to us because remember, everything that is written before time was written for our sake. So Abraham was someone that heard God say to him, leave your father's house. But he was still flesh. You know, that's the first stage of our walk with God. You remember I said this to you the other day that ultimately when God called Abraham, Hebrews 11 told us it was Abraham he called out of his father's house. But when we read it in terms of the timing in Genesis, the account of Genesis, we are told that it was Abraham that was called out. So God actually wants to call us on a journey that will move us from flesh to spirit. But you see, on that journey, along that journey, Abraham had concerns of his own. God had a journey and a place he wanted to take Abraham to. I'm speaking to everyone here, to myself. When God called us out of our family's houses, when a Joseph left island to come here he may think he's coming to have fun here but what God actually did was call him out of a life 
he has started a journey with him. Yeah, not for you to get hencher, but to know God. He started a journey with him. But in the course of this journey, now God has to fight with Abraham. Because Abraham already has cultural things that has developed his needs and wants. Again, if we grew up in the house of Bill Gates, like PTS uses example, food would not be a need or want. So based on where you've grown up or you're exposed, it would determine your needs and wants. So Abraham had a need for a son, had a want for a son, but it was from his culture because the glory of any father is that he has a son. But according to the culture, you'd think that this is new, but I've actually spoken this to you before. It was according to his culture. And God says, I can't bless your culture because the only thing I bless is what I produced. You're following me. Are you tired? Do you want us to go on a break? (laughs) So the issue now is that God looked at Abram and said, Abram, you're fighting for a son. So when God called Abram out of his house, Abram, I said this to you before, because he was looking for the son, an image of the son, he created the image of a son according to his own likeness. So he took Lot. Now Lot was going to bring him problems. In that household where God was ultimately looking for oneness, there will be a growing division. Lot will have his own agenda. Lot was good. Remember that the Bible says that in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible actually says that he lived, he maintained the integrity of his daughters. In a land that was known for its perverseness in sexual activity, he was able to keep his daughters, what? as virgins so that household was good but what is greater than a blessing is covenant who you're attached to so look at lot now even as even though look at this this is why it's dangerous guys even though lot was righteous in himself god was still on his way to go and destroy sodom and didn't think to warn lot meaning that should there not have been an Abraham who is the image of covenant if there had not been a covenant the righteous would have perished with the wicked he would have thought I'm blessed I've got many servants I've got a field I've got many sheep and cattle and all of these things my children are well behaved but they would die the death of the wicked because they had not established what is greater a covenant are you following me so the bible says now so the bible actually says that god wants to, so the main thing that god was establishing so i said all that to say that the main thing that god was establishing with or was trying to establish with abraham was a covenant that's why abraham in his own day won't see many descendants what god needed him to know was the covenant yeah so the Bible says, verse 2, carry on reading. So she said to Abram, yeah. the Lord has kept me from having children. The Lord has kept me from having children, yeah? Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now here's the issue. Here's the issue, guys. I want you to listen to me. By this time, had, Sar- had Sarai and Abram not known that God has given them a promise of a son, they had known God had promised that he was going to give them a son. But you see, because they want things, the sinful nature is that things should happen according to the way they want it to happen. What happened was that 
they tried to help God. So God was the architect, but now they wanted to become the builder. Are you following me? They wanted to become the builder. So she said, look, in our days of flesh balancing spirit, we one day took a trip to Egypt. From Egypt, I took a commodity. I took an asset from Egypt. What this was going to do for me now is, you remember PT actually showed us the scripture that you should not consider the ways of the heathens, of the nations, because it's worthless. So she says, look, I, my womb can't produce a family for you, a son for you. So I have taken what I've known in the flesh, my experience, my wanderings according to the flesh. So when I was in the flesh, I fornicated. When I was in the flesh, I knew fraud. And sometimes in order to achieve what God has promised me, because I still have a sinful nature, I thought when coming out of my father's house, that was a statement that I've left the flesh. But the flesh was not just leaving my friends and family. The flesh was that I have a nature that I want things to be done my own way. And what she didn't know was that as, as Abraham's helper, she said, okay, if my womb can't provide a family, there's a slave I have. This slave is defined by a nation that is contrary to God. When the Bible says she has an Egyptian slave, that's her definition. She could not be anything more than that. No, are you listening to me? As in, if you take flesh, flesh cannot produce spirit. It cannot. It doesn't matter how good. Look at this. At this point, have you also heard Sarai and Hagar having an issue? They lived in accordance. They lived in agreement. I'm coming somewhere because you'd think I'm not talking about idols, but I am. They lived in agreement. But all of a sudden, the woman that God has taken on a journey from flesh to spirit did not know that she's still flesh. Again, a lot of us, sometimes because we now see or we now know songs or we now preach or we now have people that we lead, sometimes we forget that we're still flesh. Because and, and you will know that you're not flesh when you really don't have a life according to your own will no more. But that is only achieved from what we read earlier through the life of suffering. God denying you of the things that you want. Now what happened now, guys? She says, okay, this woman will give birth. And my actual intention of giving you Hagar is that the child she gives you will be my family. I will not even regard it as her child. It will be my family. Read it. The Lord has kept me from having children. Go on. Go, sleep with my slave. Sleep with what I possess. The flesh is still something you have. There are fleshly ideas that you picked up from your wanderings as a fleshly man. Yes, you could have been flesh spirit, but you took up things. You took up ideas that was not from God. And you said, because I have it, maybe we should try this way. You know, you get to a point in life and you start to offer God options. Okay, God, it seems like you can't do it this way. Okay, look, I'll present this to you. And God says, I gave you a promise and that promise is yea and amen and I will provide it in my time. So she said, go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps what? I can build a family through her. I can build a family. 
through her. Abraham being a man and being still a fleshly man. Agreed, of course. Sleep with another woman. Concubine too. Yes, 100%. 100%. Have you seen the way the Egyptians do their thing? 100%. I want her. The guy did not have a conversation. The Bible says he agreed. The guy agreed. He didn't have a conversation. He just said, yeah. It means he always wanted to. You know, you know it. You know, every time he was looking at Sarah, 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 you're not bringing my blessing. Okay, cool. He'll be watching Haggai, Haggai or Hagar. Hagar. Hagar's looking at him. He's looking at her. And he's just thinking, one day I'm going to do you. That's what he was saying to himself. You know why I have to speak it like this? Guys, do you know why I need to speak it like this? I'm not actually speaking about Abraham. Sarai, Hagar, or anyone. I'm speaking about the fleshly thing you're carrying. That there's been times that we've said to ourselves, oh God, you're going to do this, and it's not working, and then you think, you know fraud is around you, and you just say, mm, I'm going to try it. You're saying, one day I'm going to do you. That's, that's what you're saying. It sounds vulgar, but you know, I love the way it's described, uh, sorry, I love the way scripture describes sex. It says, and Adam knew his wife. You became one with something. So please, I'm actually saying something. As much as it may sound, I'm speaking beyond Abraham. You don't know him. The truth is you don't know him. So he, he's speaking to us. Go and sleep with my wife. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So when it looks like God gives you the permission, I love how PN said it one time, that sometimes it's the spirit that's going to allow you to do flesh acts. Sometimes it will be the spirit that will just say, okay, yeah, you can go. And if you're flesh, you'll do it. You will know that this is flesh in a moment. Carry on. So after Abram, Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, yeah. Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Yeah. He slept with Hagar. He made himself known. He became knowledgeable of that way. A way that God had not given him. God never led him to Egypt. He went there. You remember PT always used to teach us that whenever there was a description of Abraham going to Egypt, the Bible says, and Abraham went down to Egypt. Do you remember when PT used to teach us that? So he chose his own way. Why? Because he was still flesh and he picked up what he should never have picked up. He slept with Hagar and PT, uh, PT showed us from scripture that you should never have known the ways of the nations because it's worthless he slept with her and she conceived I think God is teaching us prosperity the delays of God are not denial it's preparation for what will not perish but you see if you don't understand God's mind you'll see it as denial and delay and sometimes you'll see it as rejection totally but you see where you will know something is flesh it conceives in a moment. It gives birth in a moment. What does Hagar show us? A life without process. How many times have we spoken about friends? Uh, we have friends that when we were with them, they had nothing happening. As soon as we left, we went down a way. We went down the way of Sarah. They went down the way of Hagar. And they conceived in a moment. You hear them doing fraud. You see them with chains and watches. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, and I'm here fasting, praying. I'm here doing all of this. And quick, quick things are happening to them. 
was the result of this when she knew she was pregnant what happened she began to despise her mistress she began to despise her mistress this is where everything begins now if you give seed to that which is flesh it will cause flesh to manifest as it really is and what's the first duty of flesh to lust against the spirit to fight against the spirit before now Hagar never had an issue with Sarah or Sarai Sarai never had an issue with Hagar maybe that's why she was able to offer her but the moment that the man that God had given a promise to gave that to her the journey started of flesh versus spirit Let's carry on on this journey. Go on. Then Sarai said to Abraham, yeah. You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. How is he responsible? Did you see the suffering word again? She wanted things to go the way it wants. She wants it to be. She didn't know that this is God training and processing her to be the mother of nations. That's what scripture will later show us. But she looked at her present day. She looked from the perspective of a carnal person rather than in view of God's mercy the one who has sovereign choice so you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering but she was the one that gave the the um, the invitation to Hagar go on I put my slave in your arms yeah. and now that she knows she's pregnant she despises me may the Lord judge between you and me yeah your slave is in your hands Abraham said in my Bible I underlined that Abraham or Abraham in such a cool manner responded to her because I know it wasn't a quiet oh it's your fault uh, you're responsible this was like you know how a, a black person black families argue you know you know Africans you know like it's heated and the guy relaxed just said your slave is in what your hands are you following me this afternoon so if it was you, if that if you have a Bible, I would underline that part, because what God is doing with us today is God is responding to us. Everything I'm saying to you has been an answer to your prayers, has been an answer to our prayers. You've asked God for an answer, and now He's given you His answer. And one of the things He wants us to take note of is that your slave is in your hands, meaning you can do as you please. If pleasure is to keep them, you keep it. If at this point you know that this is affecting me, then you can get rid. So Abraham said, do with her whatever you think's best. God's response to us. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. Carry on. So she fled from her. Yeah. The angel of the Lord found, Hag found Hagar near a spring now in the jump desert. jump to verse 12. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. Okay, read from verse 11, sorry. The angel of the Lord also said to her, yeah. You are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. Yeah. You shall name him Ishmael. You shall name him what? Ishmael. Why? For the Lord has seen or heard of your misery. Interesting. Ishmael was going to be blessed only because he was connected to what? Covenant. Only because he was connected to covenant. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, 
For the Lord has heard your misery. Read the next verse. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. Yeah. And everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. If that's your Bible also, I want you to underline this. Because this is heaven making known the life of what you're about to bring. The life of the seed, the baby, the child that comes out of flesh is only that it will have hostility. It will live in hostility with its brothers. So the brother of the spirit is the flesh. That's why we keep seeing Esau flesh. <laughs> the flesh, yeah. We see Esau flesh and Jacob's spirit. But Jacob's journey started also with flesh. We saw Cain flesh and Abel's spirit. So the brother of spirit is flesh. Now God actually says, now the problem is, whatever you've produced according to the flesh is going to live in hostility with your brother. It's going to live in hostility with promise. Do you understand that? Okay, read, go to verse seven, chapter 17. Read verse 1 as well. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, When Abram was considered dead, the Lord God appeared to him. Guys, are you still with me? When Abram was 99 years old, when he was considered dead in body, when he considered his body as good as dead, as the book of Romans will later tell us, the Bible says the Lord appeared to him and said what? Go on. I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. I love that he referred to him not, you know, there's times he says, I'm the Lord your God. But he says, I am the God Almighty. Because what he's about to do is that what is what he's about to do is going to be a thing that will make the ears of everyone who hear it tingle. I said to you that Isaac is called laughter. I am God Almighty. I'm about to do a thing that men cannot do. The father of faith and the beginning of our journey was the foundation of Israel was going to be the creation of a nation in a moment. Are you with me? God was about to create a nation called Israel through the loins of who? Abraham. When Abraham, Abraham, sorry. When Abraham was 99 years old, he could have thought it was all done for him. But because he considered that it was all done for him, God can now begin with him. God began with him and he revealed to him in this case as the Lord Almighty, the one able to do anything. And he says, now walk before me. Who is the me that he wanted him to walk before? The one that can do mighty things. In other words, consider me who is great. Consider me who can define nature. The nature of a woman who has seen menopause, is that it, right? Who has gone past this time, who in herself knows she cannot give birth. But I'm the one that will make her womb produce. Now in view of me, in view of God's mercy, walk before me, present yourselves. And be faithful in that. Faithful, if you look in other translations, you'll see loyal. What's the loyalty that God is looking from you and I? Keep presenting yourself. Do you know what sin does to us? Sin will torment you in your mind and make you not want to present yourself. 
That's what we saw with Adam and Eve. They sinned and all of a sudden began to cover themselves, hide. But God says, be loyal to me. Be loyal, that it, be loyal to the integrity of my core. I did not call you because you were great. I called you to show my greatness. You're not listening to me. So the reason why you have flaws and weaknesses is because God wants to use your life to show his greatness. So at this time, I can see God. God is excited and he says, walk before me in view that I am God Almighty. Be loyal. Keep responding. So if God is going to make you, I've taught you this before. If God was going to change the life of Abraham to Abraham, it was going to be because it was him constantly presenting himself. In the process of constantly presenting himself, God actually changed him. In a day, in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, God would change the fleshly man into the spirit man. So he says, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Go on. Then I will make my covenant between me and you. Then, as I establish you, not that I'm going to first bless you, I'm going to establish my covenant. Meaning wherever you walk in this world, people will reckon you to me and I to you. God will now be familiar with a man. People will see a man and say, there's a God. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and you will greatly increase your numbers, yeah? Abraham fell face down and God said to him, I love how Abraham responds to God. In the fleshly man, and this is why when we pray, it doesn't matter if you're carrying flesh. You can still fall face down before God. You can still know and acknowledge that he can change you. The moment when you give up and you start sitting up proud, and you know I'm not talking about your physical stance, but when you start sitting up pride, proudly, then you know that you've missed God. Abraham fell face down and what did God say to him? As so, yeah, so God saw him. Abraham's response was to fall face down at the mercies of God. God saw that and continued the conversation. What did he then say? As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Do you understand this? God heard Christ or answered him because of his reverent submission. Abraham did not respond to God other than his submission to God. He had got to a place where he was dead, but he realized that God still wanted to do something with him. COD, old nation family, what I'm saying to you, I don't care what your struggles are. God is saying that the fact that you are here, he's still trying to tell you there's something I'm still trying to do with you. Can you reverently submit to me? In reverence, can you still submit to me? Can you still allow me to do a work with you? And because he re revered God and he submitted to God, then God says, as for me, this is my covenant with you. This is what I would do with Akita. This is what I'll do with a Chrissy. This is what I'll do with a Esther Longe. I will make you a father. So God answered the prayers, finally, of Abraham for a son because he knew he couldn't get it no more. But he knew that if there's anything that can be done, it will be God. You'll be the father now of many nations. Abraham just wanted a son at least, just so that he can inherit his household. God wanted to take him to being a nation man. The reason, so I told you, when you keep presenting yourself to God, you will later prove that the will of the Father is greater than what you could have willed for yourself. How do you know you're still flesh? No matter how much you speak in tongues, check yourself, be honest with yourself. The blessing you're looking for is still something that is within the four walls of you. 
is still for you. How do you know you're about transitioning into the spirit? God will say, I want to bless you to the nations. And I can imagine what someone like Abraham was thinking. I have not yet been blessed in my own. And you want to take me to blessing the nations. No, that's the way God moves. Carry on reading. Go on. No longer will you be called Abraham. Yeah. Your name will be Abraham. Because of this, I've now changed your name. Like I did with Jacob or like I would do with Jacob. Like he would do with Saul. Like he would do with Peter. Like he's doing with you and I. They named us poverty. God is calling us prosperity. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It says, no longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham for I have made you. Remember I told you that the making is reserved to the Godhead. So the story before this was what? Abraham's trying to make himself. Trying to make a family. Sarai trying to make a family. For I've made you a father of many nations, yeah? I will make you very fruitful. Yeah. I will make nations of you. Yeah. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. So what was really the blessing? The covenant. After all of this, you're thinking, he's not saying, he, he's saying that I'm establishing my covenant with you. That's what God takes joy in giving us. Now, you see, when we look at the life of Abraham and the fact that we're still speaking to him, covenant is actually the gateway to the real blessing. Now jump to verse 15 because I still need to get us to, I have a single verse which is my main verse today. Go on. God also said to Abraham. What did he also say to Abraham? Go on. As for Sarai, your wife. Uh, as for Sarai, your wife, your helper, your companion, you will no longer call her. Oh, how do I say this now? You know, I said to you that God's words are not just words, they're callings. When God said, let there be light, it wasn't just a conversation. He called it into existence. When Ezekiel, when God said to Ezekiel, I believe it was Ezekiel, when he said to him, stand up so that I can speak to you. It wasn't just a conversation. It was what? A call. Because in Ezekiel's position and perspective, he said he witnessed the spirit of God enter him and rise him to his feet. So now God says to Abraham, now do the job I gave Adam call to being what is he didn't say he said to Abraham your name will no longer be Abraham but for Sarai he said call her so actually there's a level of calling that God wants to give us only when we have crossed from flesh to spirit when we enter the spirit we can now call our community prosperous do you know what's the issue we're not, we're not in that state to call things as they should the call of adam or the work of adam was him calling things to being like god now god has configured abraham into abraham now abraham can call things into being now what happens as for sarai your wife you are no longer to call her sarah sarai her name will be sarah go on I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. Yeah. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Now this is where I want to start to attempt to round up. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. No, I'm not rounding up actually. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And look at what the response was. Look at that. Abraham fell face down. He fell face down again. 
again, recognizing the power that he cannot do this. And what was his first response this time? He laughed. Well, I want to show you, let's think about this together. Abraham laughed. What do you think his laugh was? The Bible says, read that verse. Let's look at, let's look at this together, guys. Go on. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man of a hundred years old? Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? This was his expression of his laugh. Can this happen? All his life up until now, he's been trying to do what he knows can happen. And because he was trying to do what he knows can happen, it never happened. Because he was caught. Now, when he's entered the spirit, God tells him what cannot happen, but can happen because he's God Almighty. What I'm trying to say is that you see the blessings that God wants to give us. It's not known to men as something that can happen. But you see, when God says to him that you will have a son, which is Isaac, Isaac meaning he laughs. The first response of Abraham was for his body to start witnessing Isaac. You know when a call, what happens when a call is spoken over your life is even when you don't know, your body starts to respond to that call. So look at this, so that you don't think that this is just an idle scripture. I don't think we've seen anywhere before this where Abraham laughed, by the way. Check your scripture. He laughed. Jump to verse, let's jump to, um, again, even in the NIV, the Bible will tell you, if you look at Isaac, so carry on reading. No, in fact, let's not leave here. Read, carry on reading from here. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to him. So underline he laughed, but carry on. Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Yeah. Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Yeah. And, Abra and Abraham said to God. And Abraham said to God, because this was something beyond what he knows can happen. Look at what his prayer was. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Abraham was about to witness the God Almighty, but he's not seen him work yet. So he doesn't have the mind to fathom a woman of 99 years old, or however old she was, 90 years old, sorry, bearing a child. It's not possible. Do you know why he even felt it was more not possible? Because the possible God didn't do. When she was able, you didn't do it. Now this is far past possible. God said, if only Ishmael. You see what the issue is, yeah? That idol I wanted to introduce to you was Ishmael. What is an idol? What you make with your own hands. Ishmael was his attempt for a son when God could not give it to him. Satisfaction in something that God did not give you. So he actually, so let me tell you what happens. The issue now is that if you have an idol, when God's ready to bless you, you'll be begging God. You may not say with these words, but this is how it's seen in God's eyes. You'll be begging God, God, please bless my idol. Someone wants to be a musician. It's an idol before them. And what they're praying and fasting and giving for is that God blesses their idol. And God says, listen, 
Yes, because he's come from you, I'll bless him. But guess what? That blessing was only to send him out of the house. I'm warning you prophetically, if God blesses your idol, it's because he wants you out of the house. Did you hear me? In your own time, read this in other translations. He begged God, please, I don't know this Isaac you're talking about. I don't know this son. It's not possible, but God, look, I've presented something to you. But God says, you can't present what I didn't ask for. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. This afternoon, as we get into the place of prayer, you need to ask God, God, identify to me my Ishmael. What I created with my own power, because that's the idol. And God says that, he, so let me tell you what's, oh God, what's the worst idol? I said it earlier, but now I'll say it again. The worst idol is the idol you make in the image of God. You know the one you make and you say is for God? Listening to the men the other day, and they were saying, Pastor Miki was saying that what was the worst idol to be made was the one, did you know that the calf or the calf that they created was not named after a strange God? They said, this is your God that brought you out. So they were not trying to serve another God. They just named what they created after God. And God says to his people, can I live in what men created? This is not me. Uh, I'll tell you what's more dark about Ishmael. We're getting there. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. So at this point, Ishmael was however old. However old, I think scripture will show us in a moment. And Abraham had the satisfaction in his heart that there was someone that was going to inherit all that God had given to him. Carry on reading, go on. Then God said, yeah. yes, but your wife Sarah will bear, a will bear you a son. Yeah. And you will call him Isaac. You'll call him Isaac. Uh, if it's an NIV, you'll see at the bottom it says, meaning he laughs. Go on. I will establish my covenant with him yeah. as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Yeah. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. <laughs> I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. Did you hear that? But you remember Ishmael, the future of Ishmael was already told to Hagar. I showed you that scripture. And they said that he will live his days in hostility to his brothers. If you're not careful, if you don't remember, if you don't pay attention to when Abraham said to you, your slave is in your hands, do as you please. If you keep it and produce by it, God will empower that Ishmael that idol to fight the promise who empowered Ishmael God if you think that's far-fetched you remember those scriptures we read that he said I will answer them according to their idols I will answer them he will empower what doesn't have power what is worthless he will empower to fight you and as for Ishmael I have heard you I will surely bless him I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers he will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. Go on. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. But what is more important to me than the blessing is the covenant. So Ishmael can take the blessing. But my covenant is with Isaac. But my covenant is with Isaac because he is the one born by the power of the spirit. Not born by the work of your own hands. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. 
Carry on reading. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. Yeah. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household. He still tried with Ishmael. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Prophet Samuel trying with Saul. God says, "I've refused this person. No matter what you do, you cannot blackmail me to accept it, because whatever I give life to must be what I made." 18 chapter 18 read from verse 10 no read from verse verse 9 where is your wife Sarah they uh, do you still have strength okay carry on go on where is your wife Sarah they asked him where is your wife Sarah they asked him what did he say there in the tent he yeah. said go on then one of them said I will surely return to you about this time next year do you know what's interesting God has already told him that I'm going to by this time next year allow your daughter allow your wife to have a child now we know that when things are said more than once it's to establish it's been affirmed PT taught us that it's to say that anyhow is going to happen but also God needed to say this in the hearing of Sarah now practically the Bible says in the last chapter that Abraham was told the covenant that God is going to establish again we're not talking about Abraham Ishmael or all it was speaking about ourselves God spoke to Abraham and said that I'll establish my covenant you have Isaac and as a response with all of this Abraham got up from where he was and went and started circumcising all the men including Ishmael if you were the wife of Abraham, would you not ask why you're doing this um, such a dramatic demonstration, such a painful demonstration amongst at least 318 men in his household? Would you not ask him why you're doing that? Of course she did ask. She asked probably, or he told her. What I'm trying to say with this is that Sarah already knew that there's now a promise of Isaac and she will give birth. But now the angel came and said it again for her to hear. That's why he said, where is Sarah? Carry on reading. I will surely return to you about this time next year. Yeah. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Yeah. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, mm. which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were very were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Yeah. So Sarah laughed to herself. So Sarah laughed. What's with all this laughing we're seeing in scripture? So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Go on. Then the Lord said to Abraham. <laughs> and look at what the Lord said. He did not address Sarah. He addressed Abraham. Why did Sarah laugh? Did Sarah hear her laughing? The scripture says she laughed to herself. But now he's asking Abraham, why is she laughing? This is very interesting, guys. I'll leave it for you to think about it. Then. Why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child? Now that I am old, my question to that would be, Lord, why didn't you ask this question when Abraham laughed? But then look at the attitude of Abraham. He prostrated. 
their, their experience is two different though one. A man will never stop being able to produce and cause. And he's seen through the life of Ishmael that it's possible. What she couldn't see as possible is that fact that she shouldn't have been able to bring forth. So for him, when he said it, even though he asked, can this thing be? It was more like a wonder. It was more like, this is too great. Don't stress yourself, God. Just deal with Ishmael. Because it's too great. With Sarah, it was like, can this really happen? So it was almost a, a confession of lack of faith. So God addressed her. Go on. Why did Sarah laugh and say, yeah. Will I really have a child now that I am old? Yeah. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year. That's the point that God wants to show with our life. Simply, is anything too hard for the Lord? Why didn't he raise a basola who was already perfect? Because that would not show the power of God. People will say it's because she's already perfect. Meaning if you consider yourself low and bad, it's so that God can really show his glory. We're about to enter the month of glory. Do not make yourself missing from that because of how you view yourself. Take up the mind of Christ. But now here's the main, because I've got one verse that's my main verse and I haven't gone to it yet. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Go on. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said. She was afraid, so a guilt is speaking now. Go on. I did not laugh, but he said, yes, you did laugh. It sounds childish. It's like God's arguing. You laughed. I didn't laugh. I, you laughed. It, it, it means that there's something more to it. Because I don't think God can be brought down to the immaturity of a person. So there's something more to it, but maybe we'll talk about that another time. What's my main focus now? I told you the beginning of this year, we started to call this year what? Year 21, the birth of Isaac, the power of the Spirit. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. I hope you're ready. You know, you're not going to do a slow start worship. Yeah, yeah. If not, I'm just going to come and stand in front of you guys. Now the Lord was what? Gracious to Sarah as he had said. Don't go too fast. He said, the Bible says, now the Lord was gracious. The day of the Spirit is also the day of grace. Are you hearing me? God was gracious. PT told us grace and glory given to us. But grace is because you cannot do it. So the Bible says that the Lord was gracious to Sarah. The Lord will be gracious to COD. The Lord will be gracious to the nation family. Now the Lord was gracious in the year 21. The Lord will be gracious to us. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah. Go on. And he had said. Yeah. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. It was a promise. The moment you hear promise, it's now banking on the integrity of he who promised. So God's about to prove himself to the, man, to the man and the woman called Abraham and Sarah, but also to the nations. Carry on reading, go on. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. Yeah. At the very time God had promised him. At the time. So I don't care how long it seems. There's a time that God wants to deliver. We must be able to see him as sovereign and wait for him. 
Our waiting is everything we're doing now, guys. I don't care how it looks today. We're squashed up in a room like this now. But you'll be shocked what our future lies if we can remain here. The Bible goes on to say what? Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Yeah. When his son Isaac was... What does Isaac mean? Talk to me, guys. He loves... Verse 4, go on. Abraham gave the name Isaac. Go on, go on, go on. Sorry, I'm, I'll try to contain myself. Go on. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Yeah. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Now, this is the beautiful part, guys. My verse is coming up shortly, but this is what I want you to understand of Abraham. Abraham, who has now been transformed by God, was his desire of Isaac was not the desire of a son like he used to have. Isaac was now, a, was now an icon or was now a symbol of his covenant with God. So immediately he did as the covenant commands him to do. That's why scripture fails to show us the resistance of Abraham when asked to sacrifice Isaac. But showed us the resistance when called to send Ishmael. Are you listening to me? Ishmael was born by the power of man. So man will be hurt by the departure of Ishmael. What I'm saying is that when you send away that idol Ishmael in your life, it will hurt you because your power gave birth to it. It will hurt you. But if it was the power of the spirit, you won't hesitate to give it because its manner of entry was not by you. So Isaac was, like I said, an image, an icon of covenant. Meaning, what am I trying to say with this? When God starts blessing you according to the covenant, you will not struggle to give it. But what is the power of you? You will struggle. But the problem is your slave is still in your hands. You must do as you think is best. There's a condition that heaven's looking at. Saying, what can you do with what is in your hands? When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Go on. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Yeah. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. Laughter again. God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. She was still speaking in her own scope of mind. But we too, we laugh. What is laughter? Laughter comes either sometimes, you know there's people that laugh when they're scared, scary people. You know there's some people that laugh when something shocked you. So sudden situations. And then laughter is some, it sometimes comes by someone making you laugh, someone doing something funny. So this laughter was not a joking laugh. Neither was it a scared laugh. But this was a laugh that comes as a response to a wonder. So it says now, the wonder that God wants everyone to see and what will make everyone laugh, respond like I'm laughing, is a God who can produce when it seems like it shouldn't have been produced. Do you understand that? What God wants to give you is something that will not just please you. It will be a constant sign to everyone that hears of it. A God that can form a nation out of nowhere. You're still not getting me. This was all projections of things that will later happen. History in God's eyes is a foreshadow of what's about to happen. 
So what else was built, what else was given birth to in a moment? Israel and Egypt. In a moment, they became a nation. They couldn't have been called, they couldn't have been called Israel after living 400 years in Egypt. They were Egyptians. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? 400 years and then, for example, someone that maybe started off in Jamaica, yeah, and moves to Nigeria, stays there for 400 years. Their descendants, would they call themselves Jamaican or Nigerian? So God birthed a nation called Israel. This was what God wanted. He wanted people to laugh at the wonder. This is why as a woman gives birth and water comes with the, with the people or with the child, so they had to also come through a sea, water, as if a land was giving birth to a nation. And when anyone hears of it, they will laugh because it's even possible. So now when you hear about a nation that crossed the waters, even you as a believer, there's still a part of you that says, really? The other day, I must admit, I must admit, the other day I thought to myself, okay, God, tell me how this happened. You know, ocean is very deep. It's not on surface level. So when you open the water, did they go down, all the way down and then cross and then climb? Do you understand? Then you will know that what God is trying to show us is deeper than what the carnal mind can comprehend. It's talking about birthing of a nation suddenly. The birthing of the spiritual IB will also bring destruction. The birthing of the spiritual IB will also bring in that same birthing the destruction of the physical IB. Listen to me, guys. Did you hear what I just said to you? So you would see as God birthed Israel, into a land as a nation Egypt died but these people unless God birthed them they too were Egyptians do you understand what I'm saying to you so Sarah got, said God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me go on and she added who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children who would have said of this generation that we will become what we've become yet I have born him a son in his old age. Go on, verse 8. The child grew and was weaned. Now, this is my focus. We saw that the suffering was the weaning, right? The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. Look at what verse 9 says. This is my main verse today. Verse 9. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, yeah. get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The message I've just spoken to you today is the message PT spoke a while ago. Get rid of the woman and her son. That's the answer to your blessing. Go back to verse 9 so you can understand why this is dark. Go on. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. Please get the Noah Webster of what mocking means. If you've got Ishmael in your life, you're about to pray it out. An idol that you're saying that I'm going to do away with. And it might hurt me, but it's necessary. Because 
Read first of all the, the definition of mocking according to the Noah Webster. Go on. Imitating in contempt. Imitating in contempt. Do you understand this here? Sarah, on the day that a feast was being held for her son, they recognized that this was the one to inherit, to be blessed, to be exalted. The promise of God was Isaac in person. What God was doing with Isaac, and I want you to listen to me, is that at this point, Ishmael, have you heard anything of Ishmael before this time in terms of his behavior? Nothing. Whatever he saw, Abraham still fought before Isaac was born. Listen to me, guys, because you will understand certain things that's happening to you now. At the point that Isaac was born, before Isaac was born, sorry, Abraham, according to his own logic, thought that there's no reason why Ishmael could not be the one that inherits the blessing. So whatever he saw of Ishmael up to that time was good enough to qualify him according to Abraham as his heir. But when Isaac grew, there was an expression of Ishmael that, made, that was made evident. What was, the, what was the expression of Ishmael? Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham, was mocking. Let me tell you what's dark about idols. Idols imitate the position that promise should hold. You don't understand, you don't understand that. So, you know, flesh and spirit is so alike. Ishmael and Isaac are so alike. Look through scripture. They both came after Abraham went on a journey that he shouldn't have come. Gone on. Now, what is God actually saying to us? Why you must get rid of your idol? The idol being the man you have made of yourself. Remember, we always used to say that Abraham's life was who? Isaac. Because he was too old to live. So his life was Isaac. So in other words... The life Ishmael, what I want to say with this is this. What God said that we have to get rid of and why God hates idols so much is because idols imitate him. No, you're still hearing it on surface level. Someone will get a G-Wagon and think that's the blessing, but it's an idol. But you see, the space of the, the air is only enough for one person. So what, how can I say this? This won't make sense, but I hope it makes sense. Ishmael was Isaacing. The idol was playing, was acting like he was the promise. What I'm trying to say with that is that you see, when so you see, after you, all these years we've been hearing PT, all these seeker sessions, what is happening? Isaac, the spirit, is rising. But because Isaac is rising, the flesh is trying to occupy the space, saying, I will not allow you to displace me. So some people think, why is it now into this walk, I am manifesting flesh more than I used to? It's because Isaac is rising. Before Isaac rose, 
Ishmael seemed fine to, to um, be accommodated. Oh, do you understand what I'm saying to you? God actually said to us that flesh and blood cannot. So flesh, Ishmael, could not take the, um, the promise. But what the idol would do, Ishmael, is try to occupy it so that your promise cannot take its place. So what is happening, what God is saying to us is that the issue is now, guys, is that flesh has dwelt with you so long and now because of all the words, the fasting, the prayer, the spirit in you, the real you, the one born by the spirit, Galatians 4, the one born by the spirit is rising, but now he's rising, Ishmael is persecuting. Ishmael is imitating with contempt. I, 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 the way I can understand this, I'm trying to think of the movie. There's a movie where, oh, how do I describe this? It's like, this is the movie. Yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. It helped me to remember. Have you watched Us? Is it Us? The one I always say looks like Ivy. It does look like, she does look like you. But no, but please, guys, don't lose me in this moment. Guys, don't lose me in this moment. The person that was really the daughter, yeah, could not take her position because the one that imitated the daughter imitated it so well. That's what flesh does. That's what the idol does. So have you watched the film? The reason why I want I use that as an example is because when you look at that film, you understand how dark it is. That the idol has a desire, the flesh has a desire, but also the spirit has a desire. But the problem is that the flesh cannot receive of God. The Bible says it can never. Carry on reading Genesis 21 9. Carry on reading. But Sarah saw the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking. Go on. And she said to Abraham, Yeah, get rid of that slave woman. So what was her response? She saw that now that Isaac's growing, now that the promise is here, now that the promise is about to take its right as sonship, as a son, the idol, Ishmael, is imitating, is trying to occupy that space and saying, no, you can't take it. So she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Go on. For that woman's son, yeah. Will never share in the inheritance. With For my that son. woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Now we would have thought that this was just her speaking in jealousy. But uh, you know, there's many scriptures I wanted to show you today. But I thought I wouldn't take you there. But there's jealousy that's provoked because of idols. Scripture says it. Psalm 78 verse 58. It says that there's a jealousy that is aroused because of the presence of idols. So this jealousy, it was God's response that made us know that this woman was in line with God. Get rid of the slave woman and her son and, the, and for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. Go on. The matter distressed Abraham. But you see, Abraham wasn't distressed when God told him to kill Isaac because Isaac wasn't really his. He was born by the spirit of the, by the power of the spirit. But you see, this was something he made. This was something by this time he had spent 13, 14 years with. It was something he had grown connected with. His soul and his emotions was connected with. And he didn't think he was doing God and uh, he wasn't doing God a service. He thought he was. But God says, you cannot produce something for me. Everything that will come for you is what I give you. For all good things come from above. 
later in Galatians 4 you see that Sarah was representing the Jerusalem of the heaven the Jerusalem that was still above and it says that she was that that Jerusalem is free but Hagar represents the present Jerusalem that is in slave in slavery this matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son go on but God said to him God said to him what do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman listen to whatever Sarah tells you yeah because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned at this point Sarai tried to get rid of Hagar but that was flesh Sarah said get rid of the slave woman and her son this was the spirit speaking in order for you to enter your promise I hope you're listening to me all leaders everyone if you're going to enter promise it cannot be flesh because she also told us and the scripture says flesh can never inherit the things that God has said it must be what God gave birth to so he said do not be distressed because now she's functioning as your helper this is the spirit giving you an instruction get rid of her get rid of him not only him so pt in the word was saying that this uh, you know fornication is like the sun but it's the woman you have to get rid of well as well because the problem is is that it's your engagement with flesh that produces these acts that's why the bible says fornication and all of these things are the acts of the flesh so you can't just get rid of the acts you have to get get rid of the flesh itself what is the flesh that which has been taught outside of god are you listening to me because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned what does the next verse say I will make the son of the slave into a nation also yeah because he is your offspring empowered only to to persecute him Galatians 4 let's round this up tell me you who want to be under the law are you not aware of what the law says for it is written that Abraham had two sons one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman yeah his son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh yeah but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine as a, promise the result of a divine promise don't shortchange yourself because you cannot wait don't try to help god with his own promise because then who is god are you god or is he god carry on reading go on these things are being taken figuratively so this is the reason why i said we're not talking about ishmael or abram is that they speak a thing that makes sense now these things are being taken figuratively go on the women rep represent two covenants covenants go on one covenant is from mount sinai quiet are you ready as soon as we finish this you're going to go into it go on and best children who are to be slaves this is Hagar. Yeah. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia yeah. and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she's in slavery with her children. Yeah. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. Yeah. And she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate women than of her who has a husband yeah now you brothers and sisters like now you brothers and sisters like isaac are children of promise so everything that happened was to say this to us 
You are children of promise. Go on. At that at that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power. At that time, the son born according to the flesh, that which has come out of the flesh persecutes the son born by the power of the spirit. This is the scripture that we end with. It is the same now. So if there's something you're waiting for, guys, if there are promises over our lives, and they are, and we know that there has been many promises, God says flesh and blood cannot inherit it. What you produced, your idol, cannot inherit it. Remember that Abraham begged God that it will be Ishmael. Remember that Isaac begged God that it will be Esau. You remember that all these men always, so now I made a joke the other day about the first being last. Now I get it. Because what comes first? In fact, carry on reading. Go on. But what does scripture say? What does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. Yeah. For the slave woman's son will never share in the, in, in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman but of the free woman. What we must never forget is that the physical life comes first. The fleshly life comes first. So you see now, I end today with saying this, your slave is in your hands. In other words, it's still in your power. It's in your power to make your future in quotes. You can choose to give birth to what will persecute your promise or you can choose to send them away. So as we worship and we get ready to pray, God will begin to make known to you your idols. And like I said to you, it distressed Abraham when he was told to let go of it. But unless you do that, are you hearing me? Unless you get rid of your idol, you will never be able to inherit God's blessing. There's some, there's some songs that are declarations. It's out of your faith you say them. Like I said at the beginning of this word today, I said to you that there's been one help from God and that's the Holy Spirit. And many at times the Holy Spirit has not worked in our lives as he should because we do not understand he is our help. He's someone we command. So when we sing songs like um, these songs, the song you're hearing now is a song you will learn. But when you hear songs like Anoint and Fall on Me, I understand that we heard, we grew up hearing our parents singing those songs but our meaning behind it is different I actually want the Holy Spirit to consume me because like I told you and like we said in the word today the issue was not that they wished bad well I wanted you guys to pray and there's no way that you can pray just today but what I'm saying to you is that this is what I believe that God is speaking to us as the response to as to why we have not seen the promises we want to see what is it? The fact that we've created images and because we're not worshipping any other God, we've created images of ourselves and things that we want and labelled God to it. God says to us today that just because you've labelled it doesn't mean I've accepted it. And many at times you go through life actually begging God, saying, if only you will bless Ishmael. If only that Ishmael will live in your blessing. But what God says to us today is that I don't need help to provide what I've called over your life. Last week, God spoke to us about the seat of mercy, then started the, in, the conversation of idols. 
Let's not allow idols to get in our way. So let's read 1 John verse 21. Read it in the Amplified Classic. So what am I saying with this? This is a prayer that you take, you govern your life with from today. We can't pray. We don't have enough time to do things here. But the life that God looks at is the life that begins to take shape according to what they've heard. So that again, and let, let me say this just in case I don't want to feel like I've missed anything. It is possible for you looking at the words to create an image for yourself. You know, some people, the image we have is because of what we have assumed of scripture. God says even that cannot take or the blessings of God or the kingdom cannot be what I can put on that type of life. Do you understand this, guys? First John 5 verse 21, Amplified Classic, please. Little children, keep yourselves from idols, false gods, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God. It says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Part ways with it. Are you hearing me? Again, Old Testament is a foreshadow of what is to come. In our days, we may not see wooden carved images, but these are the things that we have created by our own power and might in order to feel a type of way or in other for people to respond a certain type of way to Pastor Obi, I may act a certain way. And God says that image is detestable before me, even if it's named in the name of God. Do you understand these things? So you would remember that I made reference that God or Paul was not speaking to the outsiders. He was speaking to the church in Corinth. These words are for you and I because the people most likely to carve out images are those who are generally religious anyway those who believe in something more than themselves little children keep yourselves from idols false gods yeah from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to god that's the problem so like i said these were things that occupied the place in your heart that god actually wanted to reside in from any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. Amen. So let it be. Amen. So COD and everyone watching me, these are the things, again, there are conditions for the blessings of God. We can choose to overlook all of this, walk out and forget these things. Or, and you know, it was, let me honestly say this to you, when PT was talking about idols, idols, and it laid on my heart, Ishmael. I'm thinking, what does Ishmael have to do with everything? And then God laid me to the woman. The, uh, so this message is get the woman and her son out. That's the response that God has given us. That's what I believe God is saying to us. If you're going to be blessed. Now you can choose to push away. You know, I started off saying that you can choose to go around the suffering. Remember who was it that God wanted, that Abraham wanted? Ishmael. Who was it that Isaac wanted? Esau. So you have to ask yourself, and from today, what I believe and trust God for is that he's going to, because of the spirit man, because of the Isaac that is rising in each and every one of us, the promise, the flesh will become more evident. That's not to discourage you. Remember, the man that puts it to practice will eventually make perfect. God says he blesses the person that puts these words to practice. 
So don't be discouraged by the flesh you see. Keep pressing with God. And eventually, Abraham will become Abraham. Do you understand these things? Ozzy, when you're ready, you can lead us in this song. And then we sing this a couple times. With that declaration in mind, we're saying this life is a life for the Holy Spirit. Then from there we'll close.